we can go to Jesus and he can understand in every way what we go through. We know the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is our high priest. And as our high priest, he's different than any other high priest that has ever been in this world, that, different than any high priest Israel ever had. Israel's high priests were simply men who would take the offering and the sacrifice and present it before God. Christ, as our high priest, said, I am your offering and sacrifice. I present myself to God for you. The thing also that makes it different, makes Jesus different is that he feels and understands every trial, test, temptation that you and I as a believer undertake. He understands it because he has felt that same, in essence, trial and temptation. He understands about Satan attacking him. So I'm reading my Bible, and I'm done with my devotions, actually, and I'm, pretty, I'm finishing up my prayer time. And I heard stomp, stomp, stomp. And I thought, here comes Jacob. He doesn't know how to walk soft. You know, I, Micah's pitter-patter, Lissy's pitter-patter. You know, Stephen, you know it's not him because he doesn't get up till like tomorrow. And uh, then he goes straight to the kitchen for food. Jacob came down, and I, pe- I just looked up because I'm done praying. And he's coming in with his Bible and his Sunday school paper that has the children's devotion on it. And I just looked at him, and I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm going to read my Bible, Dad. And he sits down, and he reads his Bible. And he does his little devotional thing. And right now, you pray for him because he's... He's turning from, like I told you, from you know believing it because we tell him to, to believing it because it's real in his life and his heart. So you pray for him. And we were talking just the other day, Daddy, why do I go, he said, why does Satan attack me? And we talked about, it means, why do I get tempted? Why do I have temptations come my way? Why do I have trials come my way? And in this study program thingy that that Lynn sent me it talks about that but it talks about it through Christ's temptations see immediately following the baptism of Jesus where John and Jesus stood in the the Jordan River and uh, um, God spoke and said this is my well-beloved son and or this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased that testimony was there not for the public people, but that testimony was there so that John would understand, yes, he really is the Messiah. And, and it was testifying to, to, to John, and the Holy Spirit sat upon Christ there at the baptism. And immediately following the baptism of Christ, you're in the southern part of Israel, uh, you're in a very kind of mountainous desert area. It's very, very hot. When we were there in September, it was 35, 34, 36 degrees. For me, who's now acclimated to British weather of a sweltering 18 degrees, that was smoking. And that was hot. 
You, you know, I, I spent the entire time, except for two days, Jason, in short trousers and short sleeve shirt. And, and I, I loved every second of it. And Christ at that baptism, when he came up out of the water, he left that area where John was ministering. Thousands of people were there, okay? It was most likely right across the way from the city of Jericho. And the Lord walked 30 miles further south into the Judean desert where it became very much mountainous. The temperature soared even higher. And that is where Christ came under the temptation of Satan. Now, what we need to understand by the word tempt or temptation, it is, it's not like just meaning the word entice. Because, you know, we think being tempted is to be enticed to sin, right? Amen? Okay. So we think solely as temptation as an enticement to sin. But I think what we need to do really is look at temptation in a very different way. The word tempt, and, I, and I'll refer back to some of these notes, as it is used in, 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 our, in our New Testament in the Greek, the Greek is the word parazane. Parazane, in the basic meaning of the word, means to test. Not to entice, but to test. Now, we know that this testing is a necessary part of the life. And you know why? Because what does testing do? Jason is a solicitor in about, was it a year ago? About a year, yeah. About a year ago, Jason went through some testing. And what it was trying to figure out it was, did Jason understand, because I have no idea really what you tested on, but it was basically to test your understanding of your solicitor stuff, right? It was to test your understanding of law or the dynamics of this job that you had. Am I far off? It was to test his understanding. Anybody have a driving license? Okay. Now, anybody go to driving school before you had your license? Okay. When you took your driving test, did anybody fail it the first time? Oh my goodness, that's about two-thirds. Can, can I have a little pride at the moment? I've taken that very driving test, the law part, twice. I've taken the driving test part twice. And do you know I passed it the first time both times? You're thinking, that's not possible, is it? It is when you inadvertently drive through three cameras in ten days after only having your license for six months. And he says, give it back to me. <laughs> And you have to redo it all over again. And you know, all three times, do you know what I was doing? I was out visiting for Jesus. And I was doing the work of the ministry. And I just, the road went from 60 to 40. And I didn't pay attention and bink right through the camera. So, but, but, but you took the test, right? What was the driving test doing? You took the law test. It was testing your understanding of the law. In other words, it was testing who you were. 
right? Right? When you got in that car with the instructor and he sits there with his little tablet and pencil getting ready to tick box everything you do in error, right? What is he doing? He's testing your metal. In other words, he's testing who you are. Now, think about this. Jesus didn't need to go through that trial as an enticement to sin. Because you got to understand, Christ could not have sinned. He, he couldn't. He is God. God cannot sin. Right? Is that true? The Bible says that God can't sin. God can't lie. God can't change. He is holy. He is perfect. He is that way from eternity to eternity. Do you understand me? God can't sin. But Jesus was 100% man, yes. But He was still God. He could not sin. Now, but He still was tested. Not so much as an enticement to sin. Satan being over there, I'm going to get him to sin and mar his perfection. Uh Uh-uh. Do you know what that whole testing thing was about? It was about really showing His ability to save mankind. It was proving who He was. Going through that test was showing the world, us, everybody, that Christ was able to come and do what He was sent here to do. Now, in Matthew 4, there are three tests, right? But take your Bible and let's read Matthew 4 again. Testing is a necessary part of life because it reveals what you and I are really made of. A fellow by the name of William Barclay quotes a Jewish saying. It says this, The Holy One, blessed be His name, does not elevate a man to dignity until he has first tried and searched him. If he stands in temptation, if he stands in that testing, then he raises him to dignity. Jesus had his sense of vocation tested with the choice between God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. One of the greatest examples of testing or in other words, in showing forth what the person was really made of in their faith was by, the na- by a guy by the name of Abraham. The, do you know what the greatest test Abraham went through was? Anybody? Corey? His sacrifice of his son Isaac. I mean, that's, that, that part of the Bible story It gives unbelievers a lot of stuff to throw at us, you know? Why would God ask a man to murder his son? Well, God didn't really... There was no intention for Abraham to murder Isaac. It was a test to see what was in the heart, what was really in the man, Abraham. He said, sacrifice your son. 
Abraham, from the moment he left his home to the moment he got to Mount Moriah, and we believe Mount Moriah is actually where the, um, the temple was built, I believe. Wasn't it where the temple was built or was Christ was crucified? Well, we believe Mount Moriah is where they built the temple. We're not 100% sure, but that most people think it's that case. Either way, it's Jerusalem. It's that area. Now, God said to Abraham, give me your son. Abraham left his home with everything that he needed except a sacrifice. It was a three days journey to Mount Moriah. And when they got to Mount Moriah, Abraham said to the servants, you stay here and me and the son's going to go up yonder and we're going to sacrifice unto the Lord. Isaac says to his dad, dad, where's the sacrifice? I see the wood and the knife and all, but, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham, not out of, oh, kind of scared to death hope, but out of an affirmation of his faith in God, he said to Isaac, Isaac, God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide himself a sacrifice. This whole testing was to see what was inside of Abraham. So they get up to the, to the top of the Mount Moriah. Abraham ties up Isaac. Isaac is laid down upon the altar that they built together. Abraham raises up his, his, his dagger to sacrifice Isaac. And then he hears basically God say, stop, here's a ram, sacrifice the ram. He wanted to see what was inside Abraham. Now, I told Jacob last night, because this came up again, Jake said, Daddy, why does Satan attack me? And I said to Jacob, Jacob, it's a test of your faith. And I said, just keep trusting the Lord. Uh, he said, Daddy, sometimes when I pray, I don't think he hears me. I said, well, you just keep talking to him. He hears you. I said, let him work in your life. And I want to tell you something this morning. You and I are not unlike Jacob, are we? Sometimes we think God's far away. Sometimes we think God doesn't hear us. Sometimes we wonder, why is this testing happening? And we question God, God, why are you testing me? And I have to say to you, I believe it's this. He wants to see what's inside you. Now, God doesn't make you sin, but God allows the test. Job did not sin, and then Satan came upon Job as punishment to his sin. God allowed Satan, or how about this? God tested Job through the temptation or the work of Satan on Job's life. He allowed it, but you know what? Job never sinned, did he? Did Job sin throughout his time? 
he questioned God. He got pretty down and discouraged. Whether he sinned or not, I can't say. But I do know this much. At the end in chapter 42, God said to those fellas that came to sit next to to Job, God basically said, be quiet. And you better get Job to pray for you. Because he's a righteous man. And God never, I never see Job having to repent. I never see Job having to ask for forgiveness. God basically said, Job, were you there when I did all this stuff? Just relax, dude. I'm in control. Trust me. Job was a faithful man. It showed what he was made of. And it begins in Job chapter 1 that this was a righteous man. Listen, we get so discouraged in our tests and trials that that we want to walk out and give up on God. But when you do that, you're likely to walk out of the blessing that is to come in your life by quitting and leaving because you think the trial is too difficult for you. Christ went through three tests. In Matthew 4, Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested of the devil. And when He had fasted 40 days and nights, He was very hungry afterward. And when the tempter came to Him, He said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, that term, we're going to stop and carry on next week. That term, if you are the Son of God, in the Greek, it actually doesn't mean as a question, oh, if you are the Son of God, it means this. Because you are the Son of God, why don't you command that these stones be made bread? You follow me? The Greek has a different understanding. It puts the word so in front of it and says, so... Or since you are God's Son, why don't you show forth who you are by making these rocks into some bread? And Jesus says to him, it is in the Word of God, it is written in His Word that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by the Word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then Satan comes along In verse 5, and the second test comes. And the devil takes him up into the city, into the holy city, and sets him on a pinnacle on the temple. And And says unto him, again, in the Greek, since you are the Son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written... He shall give His angels... Now, when you read that in your Bible, in verse 6 of Matthew 4, is the wording there written differently than the other part of the verse? Is it physically written different? In my Bible, and and I'm, I'm, I'm reading from my old King James Bible, in my Bible, these words where it says from he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in their hands they shall hear, uh, bear thee up lest any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. 
In my Bible, they're all in cap letters. Are they that in your translation? No? Okay. Are they bold? Are they italicized? Are they... Let me see, Danny. How are they in your... Okay. Every book translation does it a little bit differently. In my Bible, when the New Testament refers to a quote from the Old Testament, it caps everything. So, what you're reading there in that portion in verse 6 where it says, He shall give His angels charge concerning you, that is Satan quoting God's Word from the Old Testament. But what he did was he changed God's Word. He didn't complete the verse. Satan says to, to Jesus, Hey, since you are God's Son and you have the authority and the power to do so, why don't you jump off this temple top and, and, and his, the angels will come and grab you and softly and gently land you at the base of the temple. Right? You follow me? Alright, that second trial test that Jesus went through. The third test was this, and it's found in verse... Eight, I think. Yeah, verse 8. And again, the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and says unto him, All these things will I give unto you if you will fall down and worship me. What is the one thing that Satan has always wanted more than anything else? To be worshipped. And, and, and when he warred against God in, in heaven, the one thing he wanted to do was he said, I'm going to go and remove God from the throne and I am going to ascend on high and take the place of God. Why? Because he wanted all to worship him. Now he has the Son of God. He says, listen, all this kingdom of this world, I'll give it to you if you will worship me. And the Lord said to Satan, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. Now, what were those three temptations about? Were they about getting Jesus to sin against God and to sin and, and wreck everything? No, because He could not sin. What it was doing is, Satan was trying to convince Jesus to go about getting redemption for mankind a different way. Alright? Watch. And, and I'll give you this thought and we'll close and take it up for next week. The first test, the first trial, the first temptation, it attacked Jesus, these tests attacked Jesus from three different angles. First, the temptation was to turn the stones into bread. It was to use His powers selfishly. Do you remember in John chapter 6, after He fed the 5,000, He went across the Sea of Galilee, went into Capernaum, and everybody followed over there, followed Him over there, and, and Jesus said, you're not here because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm God, I'm salvation, or the miracles. You're here because you got bread. Remember that? What did they want to do? 
Man, they wanted to make him king because he fed them. And Satan comes along and gives a temptation, turn the stones into bread, use your power as the Son of God for selfish reasons. You know why? Because all these people will follow you. If they know you have the power to make bread out of stone, these poor and hungry people will come and they will follow you. He was to become the bread Messiah. I liked what your note said, Len, that you sent me. He was to become the bread Messiah, a king who would use his power to meet the material needs of man and thereby secure his service and his kingdom. In other words, Christ is going to set up his kingdom. We know that. Jesus is going to reign from on high in Jerusalem. But Satan came along and said, hey, why don't you take a different route? Why don't you just turn this stone into bread and show these people that you can do that and they will come flocking to you and set you up as king and you can have your kingdom this way. Jesus said, no, this is not the way it's going to be. Now, I'll finish the other two temptations next week, but, but you know what these temptations were about? They were about Satan's plan to try to get Jesus not to fulfill His calling and not to bring redemption to this world the way that it should be brought. Hey, the stones into bread. The What was the second temptation? Ah, to jump off the temple and to float down to the bottom by the hands of angels in a safe manner. Do you know what that was to do? That was to, to attract people's attention to follow Him. It was to make Jesus a wonder worker. In our world today, what is, the, what is raging through our world as a spiritual Christian philosophy? Two things. God does wild, miraculous things, and God provides everything that you ever want. Right? Nothing's changed in thousands of years. Satan tried to get Jesus to do the same thing. Satan tried to get Jesus to be a bread Messiah and a wonder worker. But you know what Jesus said? Uh-uh. We find in the Garden of Eden, He said this, or the Garden of Gethsemane, He said this, Not my will, Father, but yours. He came to die. You can rest assured that He can comfort you because He's been through every trial. He understands your testing. When you're tested of Satan, when you're tempted and tried, Understand this, that it is not the giving in to the trial that strengthens you. It's battling through the trial that causes you to be strong. Christ had victory each time. You know why? He used God's Word to be His strength in these temptations and trials. You in a temptation and trial today? Use God's Word. Last night, Jacob He'd already gone to bed. I prayed with the boys. I prayed with Lissy. The big kids were still doing their thing and getting ready for bed. And Jake came down and he was in tears. He was crying. And I, he said, he, we went through questions again. And I said to him, buddy, I said, here's what you do. God's word says, think on whatever's good. Think on whatever's lovely. Think on whatever's honest. And I was rephrasing some of them because I couldn't remember clearly. Think on whatever's beautiful. Think on whatever's holy. Think on whatever's righteous. 
I said, Jake, when you lay in bed and Satan comes and tries to get you to doubt and, and different things, I said, you, God's word says you want to be strong and victorious? Think on these things. And Jake went, but dad, I said, don't but, just trust. He said, okay. And off he went. And I checked on him. You know what he did? That boy went right to sleep. Jesus went through these temptations and trials because it was to show us that he was God, is God. That if he can go through these temptations and trials, so can we. We're not God, Jason, but you know what? He did it the same way we are to do it. He did it by God's word. This year coming, we, according to Renee, we have 360 days left, point, right? 360 points some odd days left. You know how you're going to get through it? Trust. Trust in the Lord. But I'm telling you, there is no Christian that will walk the walk of faith without walking in the truth of this book. This is where you're going to be strengthened. I quote to you all the time, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's good to bring the lost people to Christ and that verse is good to help you and I be strong in our faith. You want to be stronger in your faith, Jason? Right there in that book. Emily, Tom, be stronger in your faith? It's right there in that book. Joel, good testimony off the cuff, but you want to be stronger in your faith? It's not your personality that's going to do it. It's not your great faith that really is going to get you through. It is your trust in God in this book that will get you through. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, help us be strong in your book. Jesus, I thank you for understanding what I go through and for being my high priest. And Lord, thank you for showing us that the way I can endure and get through the temptation and not fall to it is by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is by knowing the correct understanding and application of your word. It is by obedience to this word. So Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, just...